Hello, I'm Cherie Hoysler and welcome to All The Things, a podcast that offers nourishment of a particular kind, the kind that is filled with slow-cooked conversations for those curious as to how others go about navigating this thing we call life, and also a little bit about what to eat along the way. It's All The Things because it's All The Things. My guest today is Sasha Baranikov, an experienced non-executive director, executive and advisory board member of both private and public listed boards in the technology, telecommunications, startup, media and sporting industries. With exceptional success in building both new and established businesses, Sasha is an award-winning entrepreneur and original executive director of Unity Group, which she was able to list on the Australian Stock Exchange in under five years and then sell in under 10 years for approximately $3.73 billion. Sounds like a dream run. But as Sasha said to me the first time we met, There's no such thing as a perfect exit. Grab yourself a cup of tea and please enjoy this very honest conversation with Sasha. Sasha, thank you so much for joining me. This whole podcast thing is all very new to me, so I appreciate your time. But I also appreciate that if anyone is going to jump in to a new challenge with both feet, it's going to be you. So. I thought you'd be a very safe guest to uh, to have on board in the early days of the of yeah. the podcast. I appreciate that. Thanks, uh, Sheree. I I think that's um, it's a good observation. I think when I look back through, because I've had some time for reflection, which is always interesting. But when I look back through my um, career so far, uh, you know, I've I've never worked in the same industry twice, so. It's that kind of innate curiosity where I, you know, always seem to be open to to new new things, and um, I'm like being a little bit uncomfortable. So um, it doesn't always turn out, but um, yeah, I won't aim for the uncomfortable. I'm going <laughs> to aim for it to be a little cozier than that. But um, yeah. but I do want to just set. A little bit of context for for everyone listening. So you and I met um, when you were the guest speaker at uh, like an entrepreneurial business seminar, um, which is not something that I normally run off to. But uh, because uh, I think we'd been circling each other a little bit, I was like, oh, I really want to go. I really want to meet Sasha and hear what you had to say. And I was... I was struck by a couple of things when I was listening to you. Uh, Firstly, the incredible level of success that you have had at such a young age is just extraordinary. So my biggest congratulations for that, because I think anyone who starts a business deserves all kinds of medals, let alone doing what you went on to do. But the other thing that really struck me uh, was your honesty around that success and you and I had a a little chance to chat a bit more privately afterwards and I just really appreciated the fact that um you know as, as you explained there's the the big story and the the big success and then there's the stuff that happens in real life that sits around that so I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind uh kind of running through that very famous success story that uh, mm. certainly here in South Australia, plenty of people hold up as such a, an incredible example of where startups can go. But just to explain Unity, the business, your role in it uh, as one of the founders, that beginning in 2014 and then ending up taking the company public in, in 2018. Yeah, sure. And it, it definitely was a journey. It's like all of the um, colour in the middle. It, you know, you've got the outline of a of a picture, but um, there's all sorts of ups and downs. And I think, you know, that's part of learning. Like you, as a business owner, no matter what you do, you set out on a journey. And, um, you know, it's for me, it's always been about being really clear about what you'd like your destination to be. 
and that kind of helps you navigate you know towards getting to that outcome because um no matter what even if you set that kind of goal in in mind whether it's you know five ten years into the future you'll never end up exactly there but it'll be within some realm of of that future um so I guess if I go backwards I um met my uh, co-founder uh, when I was working at a global games of media company the quick highlight reel on that is I was um, at 22 I was running the PL for Australia and New Zealand um, for that business um found myself there through some um interesting um set of circumstances as well but um I did that really well he joint ventured with the business and um, it was back when uh, phones were feature phones. They were Bluetooth and um, before smartphones and Wi-Fi. So it, that was all about using your phone in a venue to play games like a, a family feud license game. GFC happened. That really hit um, that company hard. And instead of kind of leaning into innovation, they, you know, tried to, make sure that the shop was um, running as well as it could. So we um, sidestepped that, you know, it was in itself, that was its own experience. You know, you go through GFC and are part of a team where, you know, basically more than half are sent home, um, you know, and I'm in my 20s. It's that first experience of a mass exodus and, um, you know, these people put so much um love and passion into what they they did and you know that was um quite stressful so you know I I get to the end of that part and we were talking about honesty it was hard to work there and I went through some situational anxiety where you know I'd be going into work every day and you know feeling like I needed to vomit um hair was falling out um so yeah, the kind of the doctor went, look, your body just doesn't want you there. <laughs> um, Some obvious signs. Yeah, um, I have a sip of tea. Um, so look, we sidestep that and went, like, what what else is out there now? Just as that happened, smartphones and Wi-Fi come out, and we're like, okay, put put that in the bin. Um. And, you know, what's this all about? And I think when new technology enters the world um, en masse, it's, you know, like we're experiencing now with AI, it's what else comes from that? And it's like the infrastructure that needs to exist to support its scalability and um, there's, you know, businesses that will um, be, you know, the, the, the tools you know, of of that um, versus, you know, more innovation in a space. So we we kind of looked at the infrastructure piece and went, you know, explosion of data, um, infrastructure is not built to support it, What what's out there. Super long story short, wireless broadband existed quite pro- prolifically in the US but not here. And it was this moment in time thing where, you know, say five years before people tried to do it and they got burnt um, because it was too expensive and didn't perform forward five years, technology advances, um, much less uh, expensive and high performance. So we're like, why aren't people doing this? Well, because it didn't work. Um, And, you know, we were kind of green and it was that moment in time. We went like there was this model we got from a guy in the US who worked at Vodafone that showed that we at scale there was about 70% gross margin for a network like this. Um wow. Again, why isn't anyone doing this? Um so the market was hot with MA. We kind of did numbers and you can extrapolate if you could get a certain amount of market share with a service that really um, met people's needs in terms of performance and their experience, which was lacking in, in telco. It's, you know, um, traditionally people have poor experience with their provider, but, you know, coming from that media, that games, that entertainment background, appreciating, you know, how a consumer needs to feel when they um, work with the business was important. Plus the technology piece now made 
meant that they could get MBN speeds with wireless broadband. So put this all together and we think, look, this could be a billion dollar business in you know a future horizon. That's what I mean by destination. So we go, look, we think we could get there within a, a, a period of time. It's not about doing things slowly. And um, what does that mean? We need investment. We need capital. It's it's um, a network. We can't just build this out of our home office. Um, so we went out to market, and you know it was interesting because the first um, few rounds of of our capital, the you know, the response was, "Who are you? You're like you're not you've not been in telco before. What if Telstra did this?" Like was the common um, question. And so we kind of pushed through and and um, we we got through to the investors that kind of understood the proposition that we were putting out there and the um, the business grew quite quickly. So within uh, less than four years, we went to AS, well, under four, five years, we went to ASX listing. Um, and that looks like moving office four times, having a staff of, you know, around about 60 within that period of time. Um, and so you can appreciate the kind of growing pains that you'd have with those step changes. Um, How was your year going at that point? <laughs> it, it came back. Um, yeah, I was No vomiting yeah, yeah, en route to work? No, it wasn't Good. that kind of anxiety. But there were, you know, moments of, you know, are we going to get through to the next capital raise? Um, and, and I hadn't done it before, so... Um, my co-founder had experience running a business before and had a, a little bit more confidence in um, bringing that money in. But when you're weeks away from like calling it a day, it, <laughs> it gets you on edge. Um, so, and it was, it was that ambition to reach the destination that pushed us there because look, we could have just been slow about it and, kind of feel, filled up the network, the capacity of the network, and then built a bit more. And But the idea was to show that potential of footprint and user growth um, in, in a sustainable way. So look, it, it got there and the closer we got to the pointy end of listing, the more, you know, corporate you get, or have to get by nature of an ASX based and again, never done it, but um, was, you know, jumping in, um, you know, head first. So I really loved the structure that kind of bringing governance to a fast paced, you know, startup um, business brought. Um, but at the same time, it brought tension like um, with, people wanting to, you know, do things the old way that they did it and um, be that culture versus, you know, maybe growing up a little bit. So there were imbalances there. Um, but you also get the corporate guys who are there to make a buck. And, you know, if you look at it in the black and white of it, that's they're not there to make friends. Um, <laughs> it's a classic so, line, isn't it? <laughs> no, and I get that, um, you know, does someone who's a, a founder from like, and it's their baby and they they've helped the baby grow up to, you know, the point of getting married. Um, do they feel, is there comfort in somebody that doesn't really care about all the things you cared about? It's, you know, it's a interesting place to be in, but um, I guess what happens in those circumstances, it, you know, the communication is the thing. I, I've, you know, in reflection, you know, you always go, what could I I have done better or differently and things like that. And I think, you know, everything lies at the heart of communicating better. Um, sometimes people like to obscure realities for their own benefit and you can only do so much. So the other learning is about, you know, how much control you really have and does it really matter um, if you're, because it, I went through a few things and you get to a place where you kind of sit back and go, what's the worst that could happen? Like, um, cause you know, I did have some pretty, um, there were some moments where, you know, 
my co-founder and I were um, both life partners as well. And through that um, journey, there was, um, at the end of it was a separation right in the middle of everything. So, you know, you kind of have that happen in your face and then, um, you know, we listed and then the new management basically um, went, we're bringing our team in. Bye. Um, So, you know, it's that, um, again, clinical way of describing it, but management takeover because they want their team to execute on the thing that they um, believe that they can do. And they did a good job. So um, the outcome was um, in under 10 years, uh, asset management conglomerate um, had a buyout of the the company, which was pretty significant one. And um, it continues on as life as a, a private entity um with them at the um the helm but you know none of it's nice but you know as I said you kind of go through moments of what's in my control and you know me and how I feel and what I do next um so you know I'm a diplomat by nature and you know that's not necessarily um to your benefit when people aren't really wanting to play diplomatically either. (laughs) You know, so, um, I, I just done, we, we just done the AICD course and you need to, um, as part of going through that listing process. Um, and so I was kind of equipped with what a board, can do and this is pre-listing um kind of first attempt and we brought in some uh private uh, um public company experienced people and the business was just not going to um going in the direction it should um and i can't really talk to this in detail but you know, we found out people's intentions and so we kind of used, you know, the tools that we've learned around governance to kind of sit down and go, let's see a strategic plan to get us where we're meant to be going. And when that was kind of requested, the reaction was, you know, quite, um, they, they didn't really want to. <laughs> Is that, um Accountability. There's that diplomat again. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I need to be in these things. Um, but it's just really interesting. You get into these situations that you just don't expect, and there's people at the heart of them. But at the end of the day, everybody's got different intentions and different goals, and um, it just and what when you are a founder or owner of a business, your responsibility is to um shareholders and uh the business and its longevity so it's kind of like stewarding it along um so and it's also i think i've been reading a bit lately about these different things and and um the idea of boards and executives and the roles that they play and how much um weight is put on shareholder returns versus um and this has been since the 70s or so there's been there were uh, some academics that kind of came up with this agency theory around um executives having agency to uh, deliver the best outcomes for shareholders and in what i'm reading the the point of view is that that is very lopsided because getting um, shareholder outcomes doesn't necessarily mean the best benefit to the business and its longevity. So, you know, all of these dynamics play out and when you're in the middle of it, you're just trying to keep keep floating. Um, But I think, yeah, so when I I kind of step back and look at the, there's so many moments and um, good and, and interesting that make up the some parts of the outcome, but it was always that we had that destination in mind that basically propelled us and our energy towards 
what eventually happened. Um, and that what that means is attracting in the good and bad that can either help or hinder the outcome, I guess. Um, so that's that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. I just want to... I want to explore because I can hear all of these really familiar terms, shareholders and boards and, you know, corporate structure and governance. And that all sits in a certain place that feels quite far away from the reality of you being absolutely central to this creation, this extraordinary startup, this vision that is now out of your brain and in the world and people are interacting with it. But I remember um, reading an article and you were talking about um, that this actually wasn't really about internet. It was about connecting people and, and you you were constantly referencing and you've done it in our conversation today, how people feel. And so I think that, that's such an obvious aspect that you maybe even unconsciously were bringing to the business, but definitely played a big part of the business's success because communication and, and how people feel are incredibly, you know, integral to the success of the business. But what I would really love, if you're happy to share it with us, Sasha, is so you've you've taken this business into the stratosphere, basically. You're at the, the stock exchange. It's gone public. You've gone through all of those growing pains. It's a huge success when it floats. And I'm not sure if you expected it to float for what it did or, or you had any idea around that. But I'd love to know what that felt like that moment when you all, you know, <laughs> the bells are literally going off and you're looking around going, oh, wow we just yeah. did this thing how did that feel for you it's interesting because when it's there's parts different parts of this um it's almost a one part like exciting obviously but um there's a little bit of disbelief as well like you know it, this happened because there's like i think you you kind of said when when you were um introing you know hats off to anybody that runs a business because the stats are that you know I can't remember percentages but you know the the likelihood of failure is high so there are so many points in time where something could have meant it didn't get there so for you know and it's almost like the chances of of having a child like you know the likelihood of things sometimes things are special and you need to kind of take a minute to realize that but um were you also, able to do that in the moment do you think a little bit um I think given there are a bunch of things happening at that moment that didn't mean you could just take stock and celebrate um you know there was an outcome the very next day that happened, which I touched on that was, you know, probably bubbling under the surface that meant that the um, culture wasn't one where you could sell, celebrate that there was an undertone of, of things to come, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I did have a moment with friends and family to, you know, spend that time and, um, you know, go, wow, um, I think that's important to have milestones, big or little, uh, along the way because you never know what's going to happen. Um, so celebrating um, as much as you can along the journey. But the other thing is, um, you know, you look at post that and the um, buyout um, that occurs and it was just, you know, a moment where it was like pretty amazing but also completely uneventful. <laughs> it was right. like strange, you know, it, it happened, but there wasn't any kind of, you know, I have my own personal thing and with, again, with friends and family, but um, it was kind of like, you get something in the mail and you're like, whoa, 
Yeah. <laughs> but okay, life goes on. Um, and that's the thing. Like big moments happen and, it, you know, you can choose to um, take a minute to, you know, enjoy it. But really when a moment's happened, it's gone. Like yeah. Big or small, little, like bad or amazing. Like, um, So, you know, it was interesting just to kind of be like, yep. (laughs) And so you've got this elation happening on one hand, but as you mentioned before, your co-founder was also your life partner. And so that relationship was no longer or still, so you've got that to deal with wow, you just had it all going on, didn't you? And then and then you turn up for work and you're the you're the founder. You're you're a pretty important person in this company, let's be honest. Yeah. And then they uh like that's that's fine. We we don't need you or I mean what did you do with that information? Um well look I think because situation a we'll call them situation a and b too um because that had happened um you know and you know i didn't plan for those that kind of thing but um kind of something takes you by surprise and you've got to process it and process it quickly and as you say you've got to keep showing up um then when situation b happens you kind of um, you know, you're um, battle ready, if you like, um, and that you're like, okay, sure. Let's go, let's go again. Um, yeah. So it was interesting, but I think I just, you know, and, you know, get through the process, um, would speak to someone personally about, you know, kind of getting in the right, um, headspace. I think, was everything was kind of a, a weekly catch up with someone um, because it really is all in your mind um, as to how you deal with situations and how, I guess, how you choose to, what, what you choose to do next and how you choose to um, feel and be going forward. Um, so in that situation, I, again, was the diplomat that went, okay, let's talk about this. Um, you know, turns out couldn't really talk about it. Um, so, you know, I go into resolution mode, um, find it's not to be resolved and long story short, without going into, um, what happened it, the other side of it was, okay, this is opportunity. And, you know, Keep, you got to keep moving because you know that's that's happened it's in the past um does it serve me to wallow in it and to be like bah like or do I choose to go this is in good hands and you know they've got a plan they've this is their you know third rodeo if you like um what's next for me um and that's kind of a highlights reel of how I got there. Um, so then I just get reach out to the, my network and it's kind of exciting in like what now? Um, cause my bum, I've been bum up on this thing for, um, you know, the time that I had and, you know, space, the space industry has been bubbling up in, in Adelaide and, so I had a couple of um, companies um, speaking with me and approaching me about a role. Um, so yeah, cool new adventure into space. Um, so I got to to work with the um, the guys at Fleet for a couple of years. Um, worked closely with them, and you know, amazing opportunity to you know learn about space in the industry and um, the things that they're they're trying to solve. So. They've um, grown significantly um, and, you know, together we kind of understood what uh, nanosatellites could do for people because, you know, again. What can nanosatellites do for people, by the way? Yeah, well, in this instance, um, what they're they're doing at the moment is um, 
So nanosatellites are, are small satellites that have pretty significant processing capabilities. Um, so you think about how, you know, we all used to have massive phones and now we've got these little things that have so much power and, and um, use. Same things happening in, in other um, tech uh, industries. So essentially um, what, so for mining exploration, uh, they've created a, a system where you've got a sensor um, an array of sensors that go out into the field, um, passive seismic sensors that measure what's under the cover to understand where your minerals that might be like copper or lithium um, send that information back to then analyse and go, yes, like let's mine there or no. This traditionally would take months of time and, you know, multiple millions of dollars. And now that's kind of because of the technology. So, you know, it was a journey to kind of understand how you could, nanosatellites could deliver data for people um, in such a significant way. And it's always that understanding of like, what could cloud be for who? Like, what is the cloud? You know, that, that happened at one point in time. And, and AI has been bubbling around for years. Um, now it's come into you know, mainstream and people are like, oh, you can do this and this and, you know, but beforehand it was like, oh yeah, AI. Um, so these curves happen. So it's been, it was really um, fortunate to be part of that, you know, part of their journey. And yeah. And then during that time um, I had a little boy, um, which has been lots of fun. So he's, you know, a toddler now um, and uh, that when that happened, I you know had the opportunity to go. What do I want to do? And you know, it's I I have the chance to spend time with him, but I'm also I need to stimulate my mind and <laughs> <laughs> um, not just be mum. And so you know, I'm fine. I'm I'm finding it really fun working with other businesses to kind of you know understand what their their journeys are and. Um, you know, work with them on that, yeah. What's your inspiration? Like who mm. inspires you? Um, lots of different things. Lots of different things inspire me. I don't, there's not one source of inspiration, I think. Um, I like learning about, you know, um, different journeys, you know, it's interesting to understand how successful people got where they did, like what had to fall in place. Um, um, also, like inspired by people that kind of are change makers who, you know, it's it's hard to kind of say this is a thing and it's something that people have never done before and have the, you know, the guts to, like try and bring it to the world and, um, you know, bring it to life. So that inspires me. I think I'm also an artist at heart and I really um, love, you know, I appreciate people that are amazing at what they do in in art world and, you know, in cooking even. Like I um, used to have an obsession where, I would just enjoy sitting, reading menus from different restaurants. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and how they, um, it just made me happy. So did you ever used to play that game, Sasha, uh, where you'd say, if I didn't have to earn money, I'd spend all of my time doing, and then you fill in the blank? Because I'm wondering what that feels like now, because that actually is your real life, isn't it? <laughs> Well, I, a little bit, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess that would be different if I, you know, didn't have a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it's also lovely to be able to spend time with him. Um, and, you know, it was an interesting place to be in um, when you get that opportunity to reflect and go what's important to me. Um so it's something that, and that can change, um, but I think there's been definitely a, 
a period of transition um, and probably still in the middle of it as well. Um, and I, I think there's, there's also time. So, you know, I am young and curious and there's, I think this period is about learning and exploring and um, working with a few different people to, to kind of open up, you know, my mind and opportunities to, the, to things. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at now. Um, and I, I know that there's some um, projects and things on the horizon, but that's all about timing um, and kind of, not the pressure on anymore as well, um, which is is nice. And I think, you know, health and family are um, in, important at, at the moment, yeah. Are those the major takeaways? Because it's a very rare position that you find yourself in and I can tell that you're, you're fully aware of that, you know, that mm. you're not just letting it be a blasé moment, that, that you are... Mm really getting all of the juice out of the the opportunity that that you have created you created it so there you go Mm -hmm. but what kind of life lessons have come out of this for you without it being cliche or cheesy I just mean Mm -hmm. has anything surprised you in finding yourself in this position where okay you have time you have resources there's not enormous pressure on you to go in one direction or another but like you've said you've been able to discover what's really important in life because it feels like all of the noise has just kind of disappeared from the outside and and you've got this clarity and I'd I'd love to know what what those uh, pearls are well I think because you know it was hard and fast and again like um, you know, a whole lot of firsts as well. So there's there's more to come, I think. Um, but it's also, I think, a few things like believing in your instincts, um, you know, pursuing what is good for you, um, letting go of things that aren't. Um, and that kind of thing around, you know, if you give something a go, it's, it's just about giving it a go, like, um, not getting too hung up on, um, whether it fails or it's, you know, ama- amazing success because it's, you know, more likely than not to fail. So, um, pushed past that kind of headspace of having to, succeed and win, uh, I guess, um, rather than, and it's more now state of exploring and trying and going, like, you know what, doesn't work, um, you know, scrap it or start again or does it, what it's, what, what really matters kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. That, what I think does that's been really matter? What does really matter to you now? Um, being happy <laughs> um, and I, I still can't stop myself from creating. It's like an intrinsic thing. So I um, it's kind of while I'm in this phase of life, um, there's a the element of working with others to kind of scratch that itch Um I'm, you know, I am doing a, a lot of different things, um, which, you know, my partner and I are um, early stages in a distillery, um, doing some painting, kind of, um, uh, you know, doing some development around an art series that I want to do. Um, there's a, a boards for startups and um, family business course that I'm working on with Adelaide Uni so there's kind of a bit of everything I like (laughs) that I've got happening that and it's all all with good people so you know um 
yeah, I guess, you know, when put on the spot, that's what I can think of. Yeah, well, and it seems to be a theme throughout your your description of your life that the good people matter, you know, that mm. you've been drawn to work with good people and that that's been really successful, not necessarily because it's about taking a, a company public, but mm. because that creative force, and I'm interested to know how that manifests for you, that that creative force, obviously it you've said it's it's just integral to who you are. So you have art. I would argue that that being a parent is pretty artistic as well. <laughs> Pretty creative work. Um, yeah. Not that I have one, but I did nanny for a very long time, so I always take my hat off to anyone who um, who's in that realm. It's it's big and amazing, and and uh, everything yeah. all at once. Um, but from a creative point of view, what about cooking? So you've you've gone into the um, creation of a distillery, which sounds amazing. Um, but you've also mentioned to me that you love reading menus. Have you ever thought about mm. doing a restaurant? Uh, yes, many times. Um, but I feel like my um, the analytical side of my brain goes, that's a not a great business decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's the romantic idea of that, I think. Um, you know, I... I think well, also I used to do acting. So it's that creation of um, a moment and that where people get something out of it and, you know, you're pulling together. It's like, you know, cooking's like painting. You've got colours and you've got um, a design that you, you're going towards and um, you know, it's something you're, you're trying to create for, for people. And the ingredients are like how you construct this and then how you plate it. And um, it's all the same kind of thing with diff different elements, really. And then, you know, again, I take that idea and go, that's also for me creating business is the construction of all these elements to have a, you know, an outcome that is useful to, you know, somebody needs the thing that you are, um, making or um, servicing and you know so and that's why with what I do with my advisory is I called it steam because it really would get to me that these um, groups are just all about stem um, and I'm like you cannot have <laughs> these things won't flourish in the world without the a which is arts and business is art and communication is art and um, it, it's just never given the um, credit for what it does as part of, you know, bringing um, technologies or engineering. Um, you know, architecture is the art of engineering. Um, so, and I think people can't be happy without those things. Otherwise, yeah. it's going be robots. Yeah. It's like the sense of purpose comes when curiosity meets creativity. You know, when you're, when you're happy to create for the, the idea of what might come from that, but not a prescribed outcome or expectation. And there's something in that that's, I think that's where the gold sits, you know, the the that sense of purpose as well as the ability to take risks but not be afraid that it might not go the way that you were hoping it to go, that it's about just taking the risk and that can be <laughs> the thing that sparks you. And so I did hear a little whisper Speaking of you and acting, I did hear a little whisper of your performance days uh -huh. with um, SAFM's Black Thunder. So take us back, Sasha, because <laughs> when you mentioned this to me, I was like, okay, this is 
excellent <laughs> common ground for anyone who is listening yeah. who is not in South Australia. Uh, this is a, a very well known radio station, and of course, they were the coolest radio station, and it's what all of us listened to when we were teenagers. But you had an even cooler job because Black Thunder. I mean, that's next level. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It has to be. It's hands down the best job I ever had. Is that right? <laughs> it, they were, oh, so good. It was the the most fun. Like you were getting paid to have fun with fun people. Um, yeah. So like the group of people that I worked with, like the particularly the Black Thunders, uh, were just all, you know, A-grade people and we just had the best time. Um, so basically you'd, you know, uh, I think there was a car sponsor that basically sponsored to have these cars on the road for the radio station and you'd, you know, have different locations you went to, which were typically client locations, and you'd call in to the radio station to say, you know, it's um, Sasha on the road for, you know, I'm not going to do a whole cross right now. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, you you had to call out where you were and, you know, what what you're giving away today and, you know, get down here to, you know, um, target in, you know, whatever plaza and um, get your free stuff. So, yeah, then within minutes you'd be swamped by a bunch of people in a car park. (laughs) wanting the free things that you were giving away from um clients uh you know and we did events as well so outside broadcasts and you know you got to meet some um musicians and um go to concerts and all the fun things the sky show um I was around for the kind of end of of that era um, and you just all hustle in and get the thing, the event set up and it's just was like hard work, but you know, you just have fun pe- people you're doing it with and then you enjoyed the concert and then packed it down and away you went. Um, so, you know, I, I did radio because I thought if I'm doing acting, that's how I'll not be a poor, um, <laughs> poor actress. Um, but yeah, life life went in a different direction. So, and did you do any acting? A little bit, yeah. I um was part of Ann Peters' casting, um, which I think the story goes that Anthony Anthony Lapalia was with her as well, and she kind of told him he wasn't going to be anything, and then he went, "Sure, I won't," and went off to LA. Um, but you know, th- so that was. Um, that was fun. I, you know, I was casting a couple of things, you know, I was an extra on McLeod's Daughters as a few, few of us were. Um, and uh, on, there's a movie uh, called, I think it's called Beautiful. I was an extra, I was a prostitute. Um, <laughs> filmed on Hindley Street in Wearing Nothing. That was fun. Um, yeah, you know, th- a bit of theatre as well. But yeah, as I said, life went a different way. And um I just yeah went with I, I go with opportunities as they present themselves imagine if uh the future you was popping back to you shooting that film on Hindley Street or even picking something up from Black Thunder at the target at Tea Tree Plaza um imagine the future you saying hey here's what's going to happen you're going to have this startup, this tech startup. It's going to go gangbusters. You're going to be in this incredible position in your life. Would you have believed it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Self-belief, um, excellent. No, I, I just, you look, I know I'm an ambitious person. Um I would have been like, oh, okay, (laughs) let's strap in. Um, Yeah, I would have been like, how? Like what? Like how? What what am I going to do? When's that happen? And just questions. And yeah, Um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have put it past me, but yeah. Were you a very curious child? Yes. 
why was a favorite word. I think that is everybody's favorite word. Um, yeah, I just wanted to understand how things worked and, you know, um, yeah, wanted to make things and understand, yeah. Because it's always interesting as an adult and certainly when you have uh, a little guy in your life now to see how mm. that plays out and and think, yeah, what aspects were foundational in in you at that age that you can see served you when you were standing in front of a corporate, you know, board meeting or mm. whether it was your curiosity or your your sense of self-belief or it, it's really interesting to go back and check those things out. Mm. Yeah, no, it is. And I probably haven't done that kind of reflection, but um, I just, you know, I think there's that idea of people's innate natures and, um, you know, the nature nurture thing, but I think innately I'm curious, innately I'm creative. I also want to do, like I have been ambitious and always wanted to do the best and I can't, I was always that person. Um, it's just like, where did you, like, where did I apply that? Um, I think the business side of things, you know, I kind of rationalise it as it is creation as well and it is, you know, that idea of succeeding at it on a strategy but my parents were in business and ran their own business as well. So, um, you know, basically from when I could talk was always, you know, in the kitchen or, and, you know, in the space hearing or being even being part of conversations around how the business was going, what they were doing, challenges and stuff. So it was that, um, and I was allowed to be part of it and kind of ask questions and stuff. So that probably made it, feel um more natural and less of a you know um yeah well you know feel I can't think of the word <laughs> um yeah and because you just mentioned the kitchen um this could be the most important question I have to ask you uh <laughs> what are you having for dinner tonight oh I don't actually know because I'm not cooking. <laughs> okay. Who's my, cooking? I can, I can call and ask. Um, my, uh, well, the other great thing, I do love cooking myself, but I'm not cooking tonight. Um, my partner is an ex-chef, so um, more often than not, he's he's cooking. But um, last night we had, um, we make, uh, it's a regular meal um these uh duck quesadillas um so it's like you know um the pancakes that you get but as a quesadilla so you'd have the the sauce that you'd usually have and the cucumber on top with cupie and shallots and coriander um and all sort of crispy and crunchy and delicious Fantastic. Well, I hope your dinner is just as good tonight and surprises are brilliant. <laughs> Sasha, thank you so much. I know you and I will be chatting again, plenty, um, but I'm just really grateful for your time and and really grateful for your authenticity as well. It's, it's much appreciated. It's a rare gem these days. Thank you. Thanks for having me. absolutely love a boots and all kind of girl my biggest thanks to Sasha I absolutely loved having this chat with her even if most of her acronyms went straight over my head also to my producer Damien Foyerhart and especially to you for taking some time to hang out with me I look forward to talking about all the things when we next catch up